0: Housing for the Aged Action Group, hike for short, a housing group for older people, run by older people, present Raise the Roof!
1: We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing, so listen up on the 2nd and 4th Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial.
2: That's right, you're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Age Action Group show on 3CR at 5am. My name is Shane, I'm here in the 3CR studio with Fiona. How are you doing today? Hey Shane. Hey Fiona. Um... Well, shall we get into it? We've yeah. got a couple of things to play for the listeners today. Uh, what are we going to hear first?
0: So today we're going to hear from a older woman who has a lived experience of homelessness. Her name is Michelle Cook. She is a resident of New South Wales and she told her story at a forum that we held in February, which was about six weeks out from the New South Wales election, where we launched our research data and we also had um, a panel discussion which included Rose Jackson, who at the time was the Shadow Minister for Housing and Homelessness for in the ALP. We had the member for Sydney, an independent called Alex, and we also had the Greens um, member for Newtown, Jenny Leong. So... Now that the election is done, um, we actually had some really good outcomes. So first of all, we'll hear from Michelle Cook. Um, The audio is a little uh, dodgy.
2: Uh, They're listening to 3CR. They don't mind.
0: I mind. I have quality control. Um, but we you, you get the gist of it. I do want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. She does talk about family and domestic violence. Um, it doesn't go into huge amounts of detail about it, but it is talked about as impacting on her housing and homelessness. She also illustrates some of the issues in navigating the system, which feeds into why we're saying we need to have a service like Home at Last in New South Wales. So we'll go straight into Michelle and then we'll come back to hear some analysis from the election from Dinny, our Advocacy, our uh, advocacy lead up in New South Wales.
3: Good morning. I'm honoured to be here today as part of the Live Experience Advocacy Group of Housing to the Aged Action Group. Homelessness is such a big issue. Whilst we would like to think that it won't happen to you, all it takes is meeting the wrong person. My story started when I thought I met a wonderful man. We fell in love, got married, and had a baby. Unfortunately, my fairy tale was an illusion. It all changed the day he tried to hit me with the baby in his arms. I distinctly remember back in the beginning, sitting in a safe room at court, looking around me thinking, I've never been to a courtroom before, and here I am, assaulted by the man who promised to love me forever. As is so common in the reasons for homelessness, mine started with family and domestic violence. I was married for two years, and then spent the next 15 years in and out of court as a book for my children, my home, our future. i have worked hard. I have a university degree and a professional job. But all of that was taken by someone who wanted to punish me for leaving or saying no to domestic violence. The laws on coercive control have just recently being introduced in New South Wales. But it was my, me and my children paid the price. They continue to pay the price. When a local area commander sits in a lounge room and says an AVO is just a piece of paper. You just need to move away. You know the system is broken. The police were there because a judge had ordered the court had stopped a court proceeding and ordered the police to a welfare check on my daughter. The same court where a policeman had told me to wait outside the court, then came out to tell me he had dropped all the charges, he was a father, and he wasn't going to charge another father. We found the violence. We had to give up our home, my job, the children's schools, our family, our friends, all our social supports to be safe. I had purchased my home, paid the deposit, the legal, the stamp duty, the mortgage from day dot. I had a court order that said the house was to be mine, but that didn't matter either. He simply refused to sign the transfer, pay the mortgage, or allow me to pay my mortgage. When I attempted to list out the house, I got a phone call saying a man had threatened the tenants and they were moving out. He wrote to the bank telling them there was a dispute on the mortgage. Yes, he wanted to sell the home, to force myself and my children from the place we love, place we called home. I remember vividly a conversation with the person at the bank. He told me that once a year he would see a case like mine, where an ex partner tried to create financial ruin. Although I was capable of paying my mortgage, I had always paid the mortgage. The bank decided they wouldn't give the mortgage to a single female with dependents. My qualifications, my employment, my payment history were not as important as my marital status. Times were tough, but I had assistance. Again, I remember the day I sat there and rang all the services offered for financial assistance. On a pink, On a piece of pink A4 paper, I wrote the list as I made each phone call, hoping to get someone who might be able to help us. Each each call I retold the story, relieved the devastation, only told that's a complicated for us. At the end of the day, I had filled that A4 page with services that were government-funded, charities set up to help people in need. Not once did they provide me help at the time I needed help. For months, no, actually, for years I have persisted. With each call, you get your hopes up, only, find, only to find another dead end. You go from organisation to organisation, from court to court, at times three different courts, trying to advocate for yourself, for your children, when legal fees <coughs> take everything, and at the same time work, be mum, and cope with the situation. The financial assets and security I have built up. I had built up over 25 years of working, had been destroyed with a two-year marriage. I know I shouldn't be a statistics, but I'm simply a person that has fallen through the cracks. That's What's my experience of emergency housing? After a court hearing, the police deemed it unsafe for me to return home, and I was taken to an emergency shelter. I stayed for about four days. I was told not to interact with other residents, it was best to keep to yourself. When the social worker finally had the time to sit down with me, she told me there was no point in applying for housing. The waiting list was just too long. Thinking back, we moved 11 times over that period while waiting for a court outcome, sometimes at a day's notice between temporary, meanwhile housing, friends bedrooms, rooms, shared housing, until I eventually found an affordable place to call home. I moved to regional New South Wales just as the pandemic hit in March 2020. I had a friend who grew up in the region that had gone home to care for his father. Government policy is for ageing in place, keeping older people in their homes. So we gave up our home, job, family and friends again, to move to a regional town and care for his elderly dad. But how is that going for the sandwich generation? You see, trying to find a home in regional New South Wales isn't easy either. There are a number of factors, two most important being the lack of available rentals and the jumping property prices. We tried tried buying but gave up. As I said earlier, prices had doubled in two years. We were making suitable offers, only to realise agents preferred Sydney investors who were paying over market prices. For investors, regional properties are a bargain. In Sydney, we're talking about housing affordability in the country, Affordability is one thing, but the bigger issue is there are no homes to rent. But how will that change the structure of these towns, when locals can no longer afford to buy in a town they grew up in? Or as in our case, can't find a home to live in when providing care for elderly parents? I had a look at the properties available in town this week. There are two. One, a studio apartment in a boarding house, the other a four-bedroom house available on the 15th February. The real estate office an inspection over video call. There seems to be a post on our community Facebook page once a week with someone desperate for a rental. I applied for a property in E Street in my town about June last year. Lovely townhouses, well-suited for older people. But my proposed rental did not happen. I later found out the property was sold to a government entity and will be removed from public rental market. But I tell you, my gosh, the intrusiveness of the rental process. They wanted all the usual, a letter from my employer, pay seats, bank accounts, driver's license, passports, reference, rental history. They wanted a separate form for all the information for everyone who was living in the house. But then they asked for my solicitor and my accountant details. I really felt intimidated by the process. Being told you are not eligible for a loan because you've been a carer, the history of working, or stability of assets don't matter. Similarly, getting married, a mortgage when you're older, the bank asks for a 40% deposit on a $100,000 mortgage. It's a catch-22 situation, a system issue. Banks require full-time jobs as a re- prerequisite for a mortgage, but full-time roles don't come by. are hard to come by in the regions. Since I have been there, I have seen employers taking advantage of staff. I've seen wage theft, underemployment, casualisation of the workforce, even when they're crying out for workers. Also, the non-for-profits and community organisation that use volunteers as the new business model. Who are those volunteers? Older women. Being a volunteer means you're not being paid. Businesses are maximising profits at the expense of old women. Women have are freely giving their time, their effort, turning up week after week. As they have always done. Further, as COVID gave us work from home and remote working, people in Sydney incomes can move to the country, earn a Sydney wage, and supplement a regional lifestyle. But someone from the regions doesn't have the opportunity to get a good paying Sydney job and move. And now, from the recent floods, we see a new class of homelessness. People who have lost their homes in the floods. Where are we going to house these residents? One lady I know owns the real estate agent, but she too now lives in a caravan, and an older couple displaced by the flood. I have friends who are too worried to report the problems in their rentals for fear the tenancy will be terminated. There are no tradies, no builders, to meet the demand to repair the flood damages, and that's after you've dealt with the insurance companies. Getting away over Christmas, I booked to go camping with friends, a nice break near the water. I arrived at the caravan park on Christmas Eve. As I set up, the person on the site next to me came over for a chat. I was just devastated when he told me he was living there in a tent after being in care for his mother for many years. But Mum's dementia was too much now, and he had had to place her in care. He worked full-time but now lived in the caravan park. It was Christmas Eve in a council run caravan park. Because me and my friends had booked the sites, he, had, he was told to leave. Holiday makers prioritised over people living definitely. The weekly tariff raised for the summer. I would have cancelled my booking if only I had known. I'm told I have strength, I have resilience, but I don't want to be strong. My home was lost because of a, a court system that refused to enforce its own orders. The Office of Legal Services found the solicitor in breach of professional misconduct for forcing the house sold and keeping the funds. The Law Society sat on the case for seven years. House prices doubled while I waited for the legal outcome. I doubt I will ever own a home again. I'm educated. I, work, I worked hard my whole life, but I am female. I am in the hidden cohort of older women at risk of homelessness. The odds are stacked against me. I recently approached Centrelink to see if there's any assistance I could get. While well, others got bonus pandemic payments, I had supported myself, but I knew I now needed some help. The flood was the last battle. Even though I was in a Centrelink office, I was told to go over to the computer and fill in the paperwork. When I asked about housing assistance, the, the worker simply wrote, "link to home on a yellow post-it note and handed it to me like so many others, did not help me to connect to a service. I am part of an emergency emerging trend. I am an older woman in a financially vulnerable situation at greatest risk of homelessness. I don't qualify as a priority on the social housing list until I'm only 28 years to wait. <laughs> Thank you for listening.
2: You're listening to 3CR Radio.
1: Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent.
0: Would you like to reduce your risk of dementia? The Better Brains trial aims to discover whether targeted lifestyle changes can prevent memory decline in Australian adults. Participants aged 40 to 70 with a family history of dementia are allocated to receive health coaching from an allied health professional or health education materials about dementia and its risk factors. The trial is run entirely online, so visit www.betterbrains.org.au to sign up now. Better Brains is a 3CR supporter.
2: You're still listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR. This is the Housing for the Asian Action Group show with Shane and Fiona. It's 8.55am. Uh, what are we going to hear next, Fiona? So now we're
0: going to hear about what happened At the New South Wales election and we're going to hear from Dinny. She's talking through what we did as HAG as part of the Alliance, the Aging on the Edge Alliance and some of the political outcomes that resulted. So we'll go straight into Dinny now.
2: We're going to hear some unbiased, neutral, objective political analysis. That's what we're going to hear. Wow. Take it away. Big
0: call. Big call. Okay, let's hear from Dinny.
2: Um, So, Dinny, I guess what I understand is that New South Wales has finally turfed out the Liberal Party after a, uh, what, decade plus of their uh, horrifying rule. I am allowed to say bad things about the Liberal Party now because the election's over. I'm just confirming with Fiona. She's nodding. She's nodding. So this is fully authorised by the executive officer at HAG. Useless Liberals of New South Wales are out. Uh, In fact, Liberals are out across the mainland of Australia, which is a a joyous moment for us all. Um, But what does that mean for older people's housing in New South Wales in particular? what's What does it look like with the new government going forward?
1: Yeah, so um, I think I've spoken on your show before that the previous coalition government um, didn't acknowledge some of the challenges older women in particular experience in housing. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, they did acknowledge there was no real tangible action um, coming out of this those um com- like any of the comments that they've made about older people and homelessness um unfortunately or fortunately, two days before the election, the premier gave uh, the former premier John Parate gave an interview to women's agenda where she act- uh, he actually um kind of acknowledged that eighty years for parity aid in New South Wales is too much and that there needs to be more <laughs> housing um um we are very excited to work with the new incoming Labour government and we've worked very closely with the new Minister for Housing and Homelessness, Rose Jackson. Um, she has uh, been a supporter of Aging on the Edge um, in New South Wales um, and she has committed... to She was part of that parliamentary inquiry in New South Wales where we looked into older people's housing specifically um, and she has already committed to uh, implementing those recommendations from the committee, although they were fairly weak recommendations, um, we still have a commitment that's more than what we had under the coalition government.
0: So, tell us a little bit about what Ageing on the Edge um, members did in the lead up to the election, and particularly, I guess we have a um, lived experience advisory group in New South Wales as well. So, could you tell us a little bit about what HAG and the and the Alliance was doing in the lead up? Yes.
1: We did quite a few things, um, fairly similar to the federal election as well. So like you mentioned, we have the New South Wales Sleep Experience Group. Um, um, and we also have the Aging on the Edge Coalition, which is about 150 members and supporters. Um, and we had a forum just before the election. Um, we had a forum in Orange, which is one of the... Um, seats where the independent MP Phil Mathur supported our recommendations, um, and we also had a report launch in February with, um, well, with um, independent candidates of ind- independent MP, Fox Sydney, Alex Greenwich, uh, Jenny Leong, and Rose Jackson, who's now the minister. Um, but we also had a whole bunch of other actions where the lived experience group uh, did a number of media engagement. We had some really positive outcomes with um, some members from that lived experience group speaking to the ABC, uh, the project, and some other print media. Um, and we also had um, a template letter on our website to um, get all the members in New South Wales the Aging on the Edge group, but also the broader community to write to their local MPs about Um, the issue of older people and homelessness and what the government should do about it, which had our three recommendations. Um, We also had um, our research into um, based on census data into older people and homelessness. So we sent out about 120 letters to candidates in marginal seats or seats where an MP was retiring. And we had new candidates um, running for the New South Wales state elections telling them about the state of, um, like, older people and homelessness or risk in their, state, uh, in their electorate and asking them to take action. And we've actually heard back from a few of them um, indicating that they're interested in meeting with us um, now that the election's out of the way. Um, and um, I think we also had um, a number of other organizations supporting our recommendations in their election platforms like um, Corda New South
0: Wales, Binance Electoral Lobby, in um, New South Wales and others as well. So tell us a little bit about how the independents went. I know that the New South Wales government didn't get a majority outright, I believe, so they're yeah. dependent on the crossbenchers or the independents. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about the work with the independents in New South Wales?
1: Sure. So... Um in New South Wales, you have to get 47 seats in the lower house to form government, and um, Labor Party has 45. Um, the there was a very contentious seat, a ride where the Liberal Party members got through with about I think 60 votes. So Labor Party is a minority government, and um, some of the independent candidate uh, members have already um, indicated that they would. Provide a supply agreement that they would sort of ensure passage of legislation um, and things. So we worked very closely with um, some of the independent MPs, including Alex Greenwich, um, Phil Donato, and uh, Dr. Bill Girl from Wagga Wagga. Um, and we also had some of the Teal um, candidates backed by kind of 200 that also supported our recommendations and we had a media release about two weeks before the election. Um, And we're very glad that three of the seven have um, independent candidates who supported our recommendations have been elected and they are likely to hold balance of power in some debates and they might be able to support us getting our recommendations over the line. We also had news of those Green support our recommendations in the like, Green Party platform, so um, we do have some enough support uh, from the crossbench to hopefully get our recommendations over the line, and if um, Rose Jackson or other ministers need support to get the recommendations over the line or get the party support, Hopefully the independent candidates and others, independent MPs and others, can step in and provide that support.
0: So perhaps we should tell listeners what those recommendations are. There are three main recommendations. One is to lower the priority age from their current priority for public and community housing is 80 years old. So lowering that um, to set up a service similar to Victoria's Home at Last service, which is a specialist older person's housing service. And the third one is build more housing. Um, so three recommendations that have the support of the people that hold the balance of power in New South Wales is a fantastic outcome. Um, so congratulations, Dinny, for all of that hard work that you've done. What will you be doing now with the Lived Experience Group and the partners and the Ageing on the Edge Coalition? What's, what's next?
1: So, so I think we've got a lot of evidence and collateral that we've built over the last few years including multiple reports multiple submissions but um uh because we are proposing the home at last model which um requires government investment we are in the process of developing a business case with um an economist which we will be providing to the new south wales new government the minister as well as the treasury um hopefully that will give them a sense of how much outcomes, how many outcomes they can get out of what we think is a fairly small investment into all the people's house, targeted all the people's housing service in New South Wales. So we'll be focusing on that, but we'll also be sending letters to the newly elected MPs, um, just highlighting the issues, like like congratulating them on being elected, and now that they have a voice for the community to get them uh, reactivated and engaged in um, the issue of older people and homelessness Uh, because New South Wales is currently going through a rental crisis and a housing crisis. Um, Just highlighting that now is the time to act and this is a cohort that often gets forgotten in the debate or gets um, one line mentioned in media releases or reports but no follow-up action. So we are hoping that our advocacy with the Lift Experience Group and the uh, Aiding on the Edge Coalition will make sure that they are front and centre when the New South Wales Labour government makes policies
0: on housing. Great. Well, thanks so much for your time, Dini. We'll let you go. Um, and welcome to Melbourne. You've just moved Thank down. You. so <laughs> So, you'll be getting used to the weather, no doubt, but um, (laughs) fantastic to have you down here now. Um, But that doesn't mean we've forgotten New South Wales. So, if you're a New South Wales person interested in getting involved, keep an eye on our website and we'll give out those details later as well. Thanks so much, Ginny. Thank
1: you for having me.
0: Bye-bye.
2: Bye. Bye. Um, So, we're just about out of time for another episode. Uh, You've been listening to Raise the Roof on 8.55am 3CR. Uh, if you want to get in touch with HAG, uh, if you're an older person with a housing issue in Victoria, you want to talk to someone about what your options are, give us a call on one 765 178 That's one 765 178 Or if you want to get in touch because, you know, you want to get involved in some of that organizing type work that Dinny was talking about, campaigning, things like that, uh, give us a call on 9654-7389. That's 9654 9-6-5-4- 7389. You can find us on many forms of dying social media, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, or check out our website, oldertenants.org.au. Fiona, any last words, or are you going to hit us with a song?
0: I think we're going to go straight to a song. The song is called um, Blitzrig Bop by the Suffragettes. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
2: See ya. See ya. Hey,
0: how?